You're listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. Worship with us on Sundays in Kansas City, or join us in June for our youth and young adult conference called Bold. Father, we love you, and um, God, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word, and uh, we thank you for this book of 1 John that so clearly articulates your love for us. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to grow in love, to expand our hearts to love God, let it be bedrock, even as we read the Apostle John, and he's talking so specifically about your love for us. Let this idea, let this truth, let this reality be bedrock in our lives, that we are loved by God. We love you, we honor you, in the powerful name of Jesus, and all of Radiance said, amen. amen. All right, so here first, John, we've got John really talking about us being loved by God. And if you've been around church for very long, then this is a subject that it's very easily to kind of in a nonchalant way say, ha got that, know that, that's for kids' church, that's the easy sermon to preach, that's, that's the topic that I already know. I can sing Jesus Loves Me, I know all those songs. I, I, don't, I don't need another message on the topic of God loves me. And yet, when we see the Apostle John, and he is the one who is so close to Jesus. And he is now what I've been calling in this series, Papa John. He's old John writing. And it is so foundational, the love of God in his message. And, and I want us today to focus in on the simplicity of this message so that it becomes a part of who we are, so that our root system is the love of God is a part of what God's doing in our lives and in our church. Really, the big question is not, do you know this? Can you articulate this? But does your behavior demonstrate that this is a core conviction? Does your behavior demonstrate that this is your story, that you believe it, that, 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 that you, you actually, I mean, undoubtedly, you've got it. It's kind of like this. My wife, Renata, you see her now and We've got four kids, and she's a homeschool mom, and you would never imagine that when she was 20 years old, when we were dating, she went skydiving. And uh, little Renata decides to go skydiving. I, I still can't believe it. I don't know where that came from. It's, and Renata sat in the class, and she said, yeah, I believe that the parachute's going to work. I believe it. I'll go skydiving. She went in the plane with some of her friends. She went to jump out, and she did not jump out. She wouldn't jump out. So finally, the instructor pushed her out of the plane. <laughs> and what came out was, though with her words in the class, I believe, I believe, I believe, her behavior in the moment was, I don't believe, I don't believe, I don't believe. As a youth pastor in Colorado, I saw it happen over and over again. One of the things you do in Colorado is you go and rappel. It's one of the things. It's, you, you take ropes and jump off cliffs. It's just part of the culture, kind of like coffee is here. And, um, and so I would always take young people, and we would go up, and, and we would have the same conversations. This is a carabiner, and this can save you. This is safe. This rope is strong. It can hold you. And everybody says, yes, got it, got it, got it. And so then the moment comes where they say, I believe, I believe in the rope. I believe in the person who says, on belay, and the other person says, belay on, <laughs> whatever belay is, I don't know. But, and, and, and then you get to the moment where they go to lean over the edge, and they freak out, and they will not go, right? It's the same thing. It's in the moment, your behavior betrays your real belief. And I think for many of us, 
It's easy to say, I believe, I believe, I believe. Yet John here starts to mark some of the behavior of people that bedrock in their belief is loved by God. I am loved. And when we've got it right at our core, it impacts the way we live. Because when we know that we're loved, well, then according to John, we're able to freely love other people. When we know that we're loved, whew, bedrock in our core, like it's our conviction, it's not just an idea, well, then I'm, I'm fearless. John in 1 John 4 talks about how we have no fear, that there are marks of the beloved, marks of people that are loved by God, and it's evident in how you live. So let's just take this, just a few verses, one at a time. It says, let's start in verse seven. It says, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Who do, whoever, does not, whoever, does, whoever does not love does not know God, but God is love. But God is love, really one of the most bedrock, core, powerful verses in the word of God. God, God is love, one of the hardest things to get in us. And obviously one of the things that we'll often hear critics and cynics want to combat because the world is the way that it is. But if you can lock in with and believe as a follower, like John believed, who was his ally and right there with him and knew him and walked with him, and John would say he is love, like the personality of God is a God of love, that God right at his core is love. And if that goes deep, your affection for God increases, your confidence to be someone who loves others increases. And I believe that we have often two responses. The person that says, yeah, 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 God is love. Okay, what's check? Got it. Hello. Easiest. Heard it in my whole life. Okay. Come on. Now give me something that stimulates my brain. And then you've got others that the response is one of testimony that goes, ay, 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 God is love. Yes. And it's this gratitude. It's this, you could sing that song every week. Oh, the never ending reckless love of God, which I think we do sing it every week. I mean, under, I can't stand it, I gotta die. that song, because it's, God is love, and it's your story, and, and your response to the fact is not just intellectual, it is, that's, that's my story. I was the sinner that Jesus saved, and I can't stop talking with gratitude about the love that he has for me. And so my prayer is that we would grow in being the latter, that we would grow and may we never graduate from the reckless love of God. May we never graduate from talking about it, being fascinated with it, having conversation about it. In fact, Paul says this, he asked that we would pray to understand it so that it's not just something that's with our mind, but it's actually something that God reveals. It's actually something that is that supernaturally God reveals to you. Have you ever been around someone where they have this supernatural revelation? They're like, I was lost. The love of God is real. He saved me. He, I mean, he pulled me out of the pit. 
It's why we sing Amazing Grace over and over again, because there's something even at the core of that song that feels like such gratitude. I, a wretch like me, he saved me. And in the song, we can feel the gratitude for love. And Paul says, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that, and this is the weird part, surpasses knowledge. He says, I pray that you would know what's unknowable. Yeah. That's an interesting prayer. I pray, Paul says, smart guy, that you would know what's unknowable, that you would, that you would know the love that surpasses knowledge. Like it's not something that you could just read a book on. It's not something you can just hear a message on. It's not something that you can just, it's Paul saying, not, God reveals it. I pray, oh, and I pray, oh God, reveal it. And so one of the best things you can do when you read 1 John chapter 4 and it says God is love is start to say, oh God, reveal to me your love. I want to know it. And the simplicity of saying God God, you are love. I, I take Paul's prayer over the Ephesians church and I just, man, make it my prayer. Let me know your love. Paul says again in Romans 5, pray, Holy Spirit would pour out the love of God. Just pour it out. Just God, Holy Spirit, pour it out. It's a real simple prayer. Practically, you can take as you leave and just make it a 10 second prayer as you go throughout your day. Show me your love. Reveal your love to me. God, help me understand. In fact, for me, when I'm sitting and writing out my prayers to God, one of the first things I write is, God, just tell me how much you love me again. If I get that, if I can, if I can know that, if I can know it with my mind, if I can know it with my heart, and a mixture of the two, and it is unknowable, so help me know as much as I can. It's in Colorado, you go to Hike Pikes Peak, and it's just massive, and you're just so small, and it's so big, and it's just like that. It's like when you're at the ocean, and Oda just drink a little cup. You could never drink, you could never dent the fullness of the ocean if the ocean was the love of God. You can't drink it all. You, the, the, the mountain of the love, of, you are an ant staring at a mountain compared to how vast, how immense that's what Paul says, how wide, how high, how deep. It's the love of Christ. It surpasses knowledge. It's, it's infinity that direction. It's infinity that direction. It's, it's, it is, it's, it's, it's incomprehensible. It's, it's so massive. And what we often do is we often just say, okay, it's, it's incomprehensible. It's so big. Let's talk about something else. But may we never get over it. May it be bedrock at our core. Loved by God. I am Loved. Mm, it is who I am. I am the beloved. God loves me, that simple yet profound message. And just when you start to get to the point where you go, it's unknowable. It's unthinkable. I, I, can't, I can't explain it. I, I'm undone by it. That's when you're starting to comprehend a little bit. It's the moment where you know the magnitude of how big his love is and you're just overwhelmed by how great it is that you're just starting to scratch the surface. That's when there's just that little bit of the supernatural work of God where you are the testimony that goes, 
Ah, he is so awesome. He loved me. He saved me. So John hears, giving us this idea that God, God is love. And, and I, I think that one of the most profound things when you think about God's love, one of the windows where we can see it, one of the places where we can see it, and one of my favorite places to see it, is in the sense that Jesus prayed in John 17, 23, Jesus prayed that we would know that that we are loved, we the, believe, we the church, we the, the, the people that have come to know Jesus, the disciples, us. And Jesus prays in what's called the high priestly prayer that we would know the love of God and know that we are loved the way that the Father loves the Son. The way that God the Father loves God the Son. That's what Jesus prays, that you love them the way that you love me. So, in our minds, trying to comprehend what it looks like that God the Father loves the Son and how much God the Father loves the Son. And the, the magnitude, it's just simply this. God loves the Son with all of his heart. God doesn't love half-hearted. God loves with all that he is, completely, wholehearted, everything. So he loves the Son with all, he is love, so he loves in fullness with all that he is. And of course, my favorite moment is where we see that when Jesus is just doing life in the baptism moment or the Mount of Transfiguration, those moments where God audibly interrupts human history and declares, this is my son whom I love with whom I'm well pleased. And for all of you fathers out there, when you see your son and you're just so proud and you're just like, that's my boy. I love him so much. Imagine the, 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 the love in the heart of the heavenly father when he sees his perfect son and so audibly he declares to who's ever listening, this is my son whom I love with whom I'm well pleased. Like erupts. And Jesus says, Father, I pray that they would know that you love them like that. So one of the mental images that helps you see God's love for you is Imagine your father when you're working at Ryan's, at Apple, at the middle school, at driving an Uber, at whatever you do, working at Starbucks for the glory of God. No, just kidding. Uh, whatever you do, and God being so delighted in you as you serve, as you follow, he is in his heart, like he has for his son. That's my daughter. I love you. I love you like I love my son. We read that, we hear that, and we go unfathomable. Is that a word? It's, uh, it's like Princess Bride, inconceivable. It's unfathomable. It's, it's I'm sorry. Um, I didn't get much sleep last night. Uh, it's just, it's incredible. And growing in that where we go, it's, 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 Oh, the reckless love, the amazing love of God. And I want to invite you just to think that way. Maybe even as you leave, have a little moments as you're driving down 135th or, or 435, and just for a moment, turn off the music and just, God, speak your affection over me. Let this supernatural activity where God reveals love to human beings take place in my life.
Let me know it with my head. Let me know it with my heart. Whatever way I can bump up against it, I want it. Whatever way possible, help me to know this love that surpasses knowledge. May what Paul prayed be in me. May what John talked about, that God is love. May it be the smile on my face because it's a testimony of my life. I am loved by God. Then he says this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is the big one. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. That he loved us. In verse 19, John, John goes on to say that he loved us first. We love him because he first loved us. So real practical, real simple is this idea. The more that you grow in the knowledge of God's love for you, the more your love for God will grow. The more that you experience, he loves me. The more you will grow in love back toward God because you'll reciprocate love to the one that loves you. We talked about that a little bit last week. But as you know it, as you experience it, it's just this gratitude because I... I can't explain it. And all throughout the scriptures, I mean, we always have Jesus when he's talking about obedience, that the motivation is love. And we tend in our world to often go, I'll prove that I love by my obedience. I'll prove it. And yet the reality is that when he loved first, then the glad heart just goes, I'll obey because I'm so grateful and because he loved first. And out of an overflow of gratitude, for the love that was demonstrated to you. Oh, I want to love back. And the way that I demonstrate love, I prove it. It's not, I don't just say it about the parachute. I just don't just say it about the rope. I mean, we can say it and we can sing it. But man, in the moment when it's down deep in your core, you have this story, it's then you just jump. <laughs> I, just, I just trust him. You just go over that mountainside. I don't know why. I don't know why I can forgive so easy. I don't know why I can love, one, love others so easily. I don't know why I can be free from trying to protect myself so much. and be, be It's because he loved me and I'm just demonstrating back what he has done for me. I can do for others. I don't have to live in fear. I don't have to be afraid. I can just love. And man, you just jump. You've got a life behavior that demonstrates love because you've been loved. When you've, when you've been loved much, it's easier to love much. And when you love much, your behavior shows the love that runs deep in your heart. I love this story that, about my parents who, um, you know, they had the shock of their lives when they thought they were going to have just me, um, but they ended up with <laughs> triplets. And so... I always joke, you know, they were trying to get pregnant and I was the first one born. So I may have been the only one <laughs> that they wanted, but um, that's for my sisters to figure out. And so, but my parents who were pastors in New Jersey uh, had kind of the shock of their lives when, when the hospital bill for triplets was pretty massive and as pastors of a church, their income was not massive. And 
And they tell the story about the doctor whose name was Ron Ayers. And after my parents had had triplets and were in this kind of volatile place where they had three babies that weighed four pounds, and I was at a thing this week and the guy talked about, you know, we just, we just you know, like, like a, a baby that's, no, he started talking about babies that were too small and I was like offended. But anyway, um, that's confessing my sin right there spontaneously in church. Um, so, but, but this guy, Ron Ayers, he was the doctor that delivered us and my parents had this massive financial debt as a result and it was one that would be equivalent to a mortgage, you know, in that time. And, and uh, so Ron Ayers decided that he would go and he talked to the board and worked on it and worked on it and found money and came to my parents and said, hey, just so you know, the debt's been paid. It's done. So my parents were so grateful. They looked at each other. They said, how do we demonstrate love back to this guy? We, uh, they're overwhelmed. How, I mean, it's, it's so massive. It's so big. It's, it changes the trajectory of a decade of their lives. And they didn't have anything except they had, they had a son. They just said, well, just name our firstborn after him. So my middle name is Ayers, everybody. So anyway, if you want to know why are you named Ayers, it's because of a financial debt. And uh, my parents were like, we, got no, we can name that kid after him. And that's what I got it. <laughs> my whole life, two middle names. Everybody says, why? I go, you don't want to know. It's a long story. It's what happens to us when here... We've got this, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice or propitiation. It's this, it's this sacrifice, Jesus paid this debt that I owed, I could not pay. And I am forever grateful. And I am forever thankful. And the debt that you owed has been paid. For God so loved, he sent his son. And the response of the Christ follower is this, I, I, I love, I am so thankful. I am loved. I'm thankful for the cross. I'm thankful for salvation. I'm thankful for relationship. I tell this story, and for me, when I was uh, 16, um, I'm just going to tell this one more time. I don't know how many times I've told this. If this is the seventh time you've heard it, I'm sorry. But uh, when I was 16, I had my first crush on this girl. And uh, I know you're like, oh, that was quite a transition. Um, and uh, I, 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 I was 16, and I had had with my dad, you know, every Tuesday we would spend time hanging out together. And we always went to the same restaurant. We always went to Bennigan's and drank a Coke. And I was 16 years old. I, I started to just unpack on him how my life was falling apart because um, I liked a girl that didn't like me, me back. And that actually became my testimony for multiple years, but um, this was the first time that it happened. And, uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> ah, and uh, this is the most vulnerable I've been in a while. And um, anyway, and so <laughs> I'm telling my dad about this, and, and uh, I'm just like, like a wreck, like, Oklahoma, 16, mullet, braces, just, you know, just disaster, embarrassing. And uh, telling my dad about this girl that I like her, she doesn't like me. And after an hour, I'm still talking and I'm all emotional. Can you imagine me emotional? And um, 
there's this great moment where my dad, that just, it just, I, I, I tell the story all the time because it, there's something about it that I caught it. There's something about this moment where it marked my life, where he got up out of the booth and he said, I'll be right back. And he walked to a payphone, which I'll explain what that is another day, but <laughs> I know you don't know what that is. When I speak at youth conferences, I never say that because they don't even know. They're, huh? And uh, came back from the payphone. He says, all right, son, keep talking. We got all night. I said, what? He said, yeah, that's all right. I just canceled my board meeting. And uh, I said, you canceled your board meeting? He says, yeah, yeah, we got all night. I, I canceled the board meeting. I go, Dad, you can't cancel the board meeting. You report to that board. He goes, yeah, yeah, they'll be fine. You canceled the board meeting? Yeah, I canceled. I go, no, 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 no. And he goes, David, this is... This is big to you. This is, this is big to me. And, and trust me, it wasn't a big deal. I mean, it was just a 16-year-old kid with emotions. But man, it marked me. It marked me. Like, whew. Like, man. Man, you like me, don't you, Dad? Man, you love me. And my dad's been my best friend my whole life. And I'm, I just, you know why? I just like to call him, you know why? Because, man, I've been messed up a lot. He loved me first. And, uh, man, when you feel loved, when you recognize how weak, how broken, how messed up you are, and that you have a father, and he loved you in the midst of your mess, he loved you in the midst of your sin. He paid the debt that you could not pay. He loves you. Love starts to grow in the heart back. Thank you, God. And it's not trying to prove to people that you're smart, prove to people that you're influential, get more comforts in life. Your biggest story is this. He is Jesus. He loves me. That's why, I'm, that's why I, I show Dick Eastman all the time. He's the, guy, the old guy in the video, because he's my hero. Because he talks about God in his 70s and he cries. He loves God like I've never seen. Man, that's where we want to be. We just want to be people that start our journey, whether you're 15, 55, or 75. And you just can't get over it. Maybe you've written a bunch of books and you lead a big corporation. But I get around Dick Eastman and he doesn't talk about the massive organization that he leads, all the books that he's written, all the success that he has, all the status that he has on airlines. Here's what he talks about. Jesus. This is who he is. And he sings little songs. Oh, he's like old man, love God, singer guy. He's just he's singing all the time because he's been loved changed him. Man, if I could get anything for you as your pastor, it's this. Because you just get out of the rat race. You're loved. Agape love. Unconditionally. You were the adulterer. You were the thief. And he loves you. Not based upon your performance. Not based upon how well you can do to prove to God that you love him. But right where you're at, that's what Jesus does over and over and over and over again. May the love of God, the one that runs to his children, chases down his sheep, 
made that story. May it never get old. May we never graduate from it. But may our story be, I was the sheep that he found. I was the son that was lost. And he loved If you would like to follow Jesus, we'd like to connect with you on your journey. Email us at follow at radianchurchkc.com. If this ministry has encouraged you, we'd love to hear your story. Email us at mystory at radianchurchkc.com. If you'd like to invest in Radian Church, please click give on our website, radianchurchkc.com. Are you a young adult and interested in spending a year in Kansas City at Radian Church? Check out radianintensive.com. Thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast.